Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Fletcher, in New York City, and guys, I have Venom Fever. Venom Fever ACR has a $5 million guaranteed progressive knockout bounty tournament, and I have entered it twice this week. We also had our big Discord sweepstakes raffle giveaway of a seat into this tournament, which has a $2,650 buy-in, which is high stakes no matter what website you play on that is for an online poker tournament it's a very high unusual high buy-in they only run the venom once or twice a year i guess twice a year and it's very very intense they do it in the spring and the fall and i am all caught up in it on acr playing the venom pko twice in one week uh that's unusual for me to have two nights in a week that i play online poker at all but really to spend you know, over $5,000 on these things is something else. I'm not going to reveal how I did, for those who don't know, until the end of this podcast. But getting back to our raffle, our giveaway, if you join the Discord for Tournament Poker Edge, which you can find a link to in the description, the show notes as we used to call them, for this podcast... It's free to join our Discord. If you're wondering what the heck is a Discord, it's uh, another way of communicating similar to Slack or Messenger, but Discord has a lot more functionality. You can separate the chat into different categories and topics. So if you go into the TPE Discord, again, you can find it by clicking the link in the description of this podcast. You will see all the different categories that we have, strategy, podcast, giveaways, free rolls, things like that. So that is where we are planning to be doing the uh, announcements for things such as the Super Venom giveaway that we did the other day. It was won by a player named JoJo, who uh, she lives in or near Atlantic City and is mostly a live player, but she won a free seat into the Venom and actually ended up at my table where I saw her bust out through no fault of her own. She got it in in a totally standard spot. She was playing really tight, and then she finally picked up ace-king, ran into aces, and couldn't get lucky. So, But still, congrats to JoJo for winning a free seat into this amazing $5 million guaranteed progressive knockout bounty tournament courtesy of our friends at America's Card Room. So all you have to do to be eligible for future giveaways, and there will be plenty more, guys, is click the link and join our TPE Discord channel. All right, it's going to be a shorter-than-usual episode today, guys. I have a lot on my plate, but I did want to share a few hands from the Venom PKO that I played yesterday, Thursday, October 27th, as I record this episode on Friday morning from the comfort of my New York City apartment where it is virtually guaranteed that at some point 
you will hear police sirens out my window. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm keeping it real. I'm living the life. Anyway, guys, uh, let's talk about a couple of hands that I played in this event, which has four starting flights, 1A through 1D, and I played in 1A the other day, and now I played again in 1C yesterday. The fourth starting flight is this Sunday, October 30th, so if you are able, I would recommend playing in this tournament. I think that the play in this tournament, depending on your table draw, obviously, uh, but some of the play that I've witnessed in my years playing in this uh, big tournament is comparable to the main event of the World Series of Poker. You will get some incredible, great players, and then just as many satellite winners uh, who seem pretty clueless about poker and, and frequencies and ranges and, and all of that stuff. So it does offer, from what I've seen, incredible value. So uh, get over to ACR and play in the Venom PKO if your bankroll allows you to do so. Anyway, uh, yeah, so here's the hand I played kind of early. The uh, blinds in this hand are... Twenty-seven fifty and fifty-five hundred, and there's also a nine hundred. Pardon me, an eight hundred twenty-five bounty per player. Because you know what? Why not? It's online. We don't actually have to deal with all the chips. We might as well make the uh, blinds and antes as confusing as possible. I promise you will never see this level in any live tournament ever. Uh, so anyway, we are. Uh, doing quite well. You start this tournament with 300,000 in chips. I doubled up kind of early on in the process. And now we are the chip leader at our table with about 640,000 when the average is still just above 300,000. We have several short stacks at our table, including the small blind with only 80K and two other players with just under 200K. So, we are in the big blind holding the queen of diamonds, five of diamonds, and the action folds all the way around to the button, who is a very loose, very aggressive, and very unpredictable player. So he opens for the minimum, making it just 11,000 on the button, and we decide to make the call from the big blind with the queen five suited uh, diamonds. Now, you can fold this hand if you want to, but given the fact that I was offered better than 3.1 to 1 on a call, I decided to go ahead and make that call and see the flop from out of position with my suited queen five. If I'm up against a stronger opponent, or perhaps if stacks are more shallow, I could make a better case for folding. But I feel like in this spot, this is a perfectly fine hand to go ahead and make the call and see the flop. So the flop comes out, six of diamonds, tray of hearts, tray of spades. So six tray tray with just one diamond, hero holding the queen of diamonds, five of diamonds. Uh, I'm going to check here 100% of the time. And so we check and the opponent bets just 7,800 into the 31,000 pot. Now, I think this is a good spot for a check raise. 
You can absolutely just make it something like 20,000 here and expect to take it down a good bit of the time. We should have more small cards like these in our hand than in our range than he will. Uh, obviously, we also have some back doors that could come in. Like if we check raise here and then hit like any diamond on the turn would give us a flush draw, any four, any deuce, any six, excuse me, any four, any deuce, any seven will give us a straight draw. So we've got some possible back doors that could come in and allow us to double barrel. So in other words, if we want to check raise right here on the flop and then bet, uh, you know, one of the cards that improves our equity on the turn, we also might be live with our five or our queen. So if we happen to get called, I think the check raise is going to work a good amount of the time, but I decided to play this hand a little bit differently. And I just made the call getting an incredible price just to see what develops on the turn. Uh, now the turn comes the nine of spades, which uh, does not improve our range in any way, shape or form. But you guys know me, I still wasn't ready to give up on this pot. And I decided to go for what we used to call the Johnny Chan, the check call on the flop and then lead the turn. Check call lead, we always used to call that Johnny Chan, although I haven't heard that in many years. I think it's a very good line to pull out occasionally when we are bluffing. Of course, we also need to do it sometimes when we have a tray in our hand for trips. Uh, we could also do it here when we pick up a flush draw or just when we happen to hit a nine. Uh, in this case, I'm doing it with nothing and I don't really even block anything, but I just decided to run a bluff here with no pair and no draw just based on the fact that our opponent will often have nothing himself. So on a board of six tray, tray nine with two spades and hero holding the queen of diamonds, five of diamonds, there's 47,000 in the middle and I decided to just fire, check call lead, I fire 35,000 into the 45,000, 47,000 pot and I expect this to get the job done a lot of the time when our opponent has a hand like ace-king, ace-queen, king-queen, king-jack, all of those hands in his range. Also, other hands that are beating me, such as ace-deuce, ace-five, ace-seven. These hands comprise such a big part of our opponent's range that if you also combine that with the fact that he's really going to have a hard time calling with any six, pocket sevens, pocket eights, now that that nine shows up, I should have a lot more trays in my range than he does. So I think that we have a nuts advantage here, a range advantage, if you will. So I decide to go ahead and pull the trigger on a Johnny Chan and it gets the job done. Opponent folds and we win a nice pot with nothing. Now, I really wanted to discuss that hand here on the podcast, mostly because it's very rare nowadays it was a bigger part of my repertoire years ago, but it's very rare for me nowadays to do what we would call a no equity bluff, where I really don't know if I have any chance of winning the pot. But I pull the trigger anyway. I find that players don't really like to go to war earlier in these Venom PKO type tournaments. Uh, most people just want to kind of survive and get their money's worth a bit. So I am a little bit more bluff heavy around level three or four than I would be around level 10 or 15 later on in the day. Uh, once people settle in, I think they start to get a feel for their tables. 
and they very often correctly surmise that I am capable of a lot of things, and so as a result, uh, my bluffs later in the tournament tend not to work out quite as well. So let's look at another hand where I'm in the big blind. So I guess this podcast is turning out to be uh, Clayton in the big blinds. So here we go. Uh, the blinds have gone up. They are now 3,000, 6,000 with a 900 ante per player. Uh, we are now down to 487. So a couple of things have gone wrong. This was probably about 30 or 40 hands after the last one. And remember, guys, it's a PKO. So part of this you know, wild fluctuation in my chip stack is Clayton trying to pick up this bounty or that bounty or whatever the case may be. So we are now down to 487. And two players limp in. The first one is an absolute poker novice. He's playing about 60% of the hands and he has not yet raised first to enter the pot. So if you think that there's no value in online poker nowadays, this is a $2,650 tournament with a guaranteed $5 million prize pool. And we have a player on my immediate left who is literally limping into 60% of the pots and hasn't raised one yet. So he's running 60-0. <laughs> For those who understand HUD stats, you know how rare that is. And this is, you know, now over 65 hands. Uh, another loose passive player limps in in middle position. And then the hijack, cutoff, and button all fold. And the small blind, who's a very, very good established professional player, limps in from the small blind, completing the action. Now it's on me with the five of spades, deuce of spades. In the big blind. So five deuce suited facing two limps and then a completion from the small blind. Uh, I don't really have this hand in my pre-flop bluff raising range. Um, yeah, I don't I don't really see any need to do that. We might as well just take a free flop and see what happens. Hero holding the five of spades, deuce of spades. So with 31,200 in the middle, the flop comes ace of spades, queen of hearts, tray of diamonds. So ace, queen, tray, rainbow, including the ace of spades, hero holding the five of spades, deuce of spades. So we have a gut shot wheel draw and a backdoor straight flush draw, let's call it, <laughs> just to be optimistic, right? So uh, the uh, small blind checks and we can lead this pot if we want to. Um, certainly, no one has shown strength before the flop other than by voluntarily putting in chips. And as we know, both of these loose passive guys don't really need monster hands to do that. So there's a chance that just betting right out here could result in uh, taking down the pot. Uh, I generally don't like to bluff into three opponents. Um, and in this spot, I decided to check. And maybe, you know, if we pick up equity on the turn, we can start trying to win the hand at that point. So uh, sure enough, we check it through and the turn comes the 10 of spades. So our board is now ace of spades, queen of hearts, tray of diamonds, 10 of spades, giving us not only the gut shot that we had on the flop, but now we have picked up the five high flush draw to go along with it and small blind checks again. Do you guys want to bet this card into three opponents or should we just check again and hope it checks through and that we make one of our draws? Um, 
Yeah, either way, I think is fine. I usually, when I'm faced with a close decision, I tend to take the uh, more aggressive line, as I'm sure you guys already know. So I decided to go ahead and bet, and bet pretty big here. I went 23K into the 31,000 pot, and the original limper on my immediate left, remember, this is the guy that runs 60-0, so he's extremely loose and extremely passive, calls. So this is part of the problem of bluffing or even semi-bluffing against very loose opponents. Um, his call doesn't actually mean that much. He can have a lot of hands in this situation. And so perhaps for that reason and having another similar player even on his left waiting to act, perhaps it's best for me to just check this card and see if we can all check it through once again. Remember, these guys are not only loose, they're passive as well. So I don't really need to bet because I think somebody else is going to bet, which is actually never a reason to bet in the first place, unless you think you can get yourself a better price, perhaps by doing so. But yeah, in this spot, I think maybe betting here is a mistake, but it can't be a huge mistake because we have all these outs to the nuts, so we might as well try to make something good. I bet, and he's the only caller, so now with 78,000 in the middle, by the way, my opponent has more chips than we have at this point. He starts the hand with about 20K more than we do. So this is not going to be a bounty situation barring some kind of crazy miracle. But with 78K in the middle, uh, the river bricks off six of clubs for a final board of ace, queen, tray, 10, six. So we're sitting here at the end of all of this in this medium-sized pot holding five high. We obviously have no showdown value, but is that enough reason for us to bet again? Our opponent is loose and passive, and we believe him to be a complete novice, most likely a satellite winner. They have satellites to this tournament for free. They have some that are 50 cents to start climbing steps or whatever. So some of the players in this tournament are not typical for this buy-in level where normally a $3,000 online tournament is going to attract the best and the brightest in the world. And this one certainly does, but I don't think that's what we're up against here with this particular opponent. So do we want to try to bluff him again? We bet pretty heavy on the turn and he was the only caller. He had two more players yet to act behind him. Is it time now to wave the white flag and show down our five high and almost certainly lose the hand. <laughs> I mean, I guess we can beat four deuce, <laughs> but that's about all. Uh, we could also do something really cute and go for a check raise bluff on the river, but I think versus a passive opponent, we don't really want to take that line very often just because passive opponents are incredibly unlikely to bet the river unless they actually have a very strong hand. That's what makes them passive. They're not going for thin value with second pair. That's the kind of hand you're targeting with a check-raise bluff on the river, a hand that might be trying to squeeze a little bit of value itself, and then we check-raise and get them off of it with our five high. Very sexy, but I don't think this is a spot for that play. But do we want to lead again on this blank turn? Well, before I let you know about that, I want to remind you guys about my friend Danny at SitesOptimized.com. He is in the business 
of website design, and he's great at it, and he's also a master of SEO, search engine optimization, and this is where you get your business showing up earlier on a Google search than your competition. So he's a master of these things. He's offering a free consultation, a free website, basically a mock-up of a website for you. So if you have a business, he, he does a lot of stuff with the home services area, so electricians, plumbers, painters, landscapers, anyone in that kind of home improvement area, or really any business at all, you guys should consider sitesoptimized.com. Get in touch with Danny. Visit his website. Let him know you are a listener to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, and he will mock up a sample website that you will love for free. S-I-T-E-S. O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-D SitesOptimized.com So let's recap. We are on the river. The flop was ace-queen tray and we all checked it. The turn was the ten of spades. Hero has the five deuce of spades. So it was a great turn card. It gave us not only the gut shot that we had on the flop but we also picked up a flush draw on the turn and decided to lead pretty big three-quarters pot, actually, into three opponents. The only caller was a loose passive calling station that I think is a novice, and the river was the six of clubs, so we end up with nothing whatsoever. Do we want to bet again? Well, you guys know me by now. I'm not going to just show down five high. I decided to bet into 78,000. I bet 58,500. An opponent called rather quickly with Queen 10 offsuit. So he had turned two pair on 4th Street. And of course, that is too much. I was not trying to bluff him off of his two pair hands. Notice he only had one pair on the flop. So maybe I could have lost more in this hand if I had bet the flop turn and river. Remember, I did flop that uh, wheel draw. But I didn't start firing at this one until we picked up the flush draw to go with it. So, yeah, I mean, I think maybe it's still a good play. Let me know what you guys think, okay? Uh, you know, follow me on Twitter, at Clayton Comic. Let me know what you think of this play. I mean, maybe given the player profile here, I shouldn't be bluffing him at all. Uh, but, yeah, it does kind of suck to have all that promise and then show up with five high when all is said and done. But yeah, you do need to know when to uh, wave the white flag. And perhaps in this situation, that's exactly what I should have done. Well, that'll do it for this episode. I told you guys it was going to be a shorter one than usual. Uh, but yeah, we'll have a much bigger episode for you guys next week. And we do have some big announcements coming up as well that I can't wait to share with you guys. So make sure that you join our Discord by clicking the link in the description to this podcast. And for everyone here at Tournament Poker Edge, I'm Clayton Fletcher. Thank you so much for listening. I wanna hold them like they do in Texas plays Fold them, let them hit me, raise it, baby, stay with me Lock in intuition, play the cards with babes to start And after she's been hooked, I'll play the one that's on her heart
with her, a hot pair we will be. While little gambling is fun when you're with me. Russian roulette is not the same without a gun. And baby, when it's love, it's not rough, it isn't fun, fun. Love nobody. Can't read my, can't read my, no, she can't read.